0: Hello everyone, this is Fire Chief Paul Dow with Albuquerque Fire Rescue. Now, this podcast is designed to bring you helpful training and best practices and some additional resources that you can access from anywhere. So thank you for joining us and enjoy today's episode.
1: Plumber 2, Engine 2, Engine 4, Engine 6, Ladder 4, Ladder 1, Ritz 19, Rescue 2, Squad 3, Battalion 1, Battalion 2, Squad 2, 4, 225, Co, Drive Northeast, 13, Firebox eight one two two sixty nine echo 69, Echo 6, S, it's going to be S, Car states that there's smoke coming from all parts of the home. Engine 2, engine 4, engine 6, ladder 4, ladder 1, rescue 19, rescue 2, squad 3, battalion 1, battalion 2, squad 2, 4225 code drive northeast, 69606X. Six, six all units respond, attack 1, acknowledge.
2: All right. Hey, welcome, everybody. Another episode of the AFR podcast. Today we're going to do this one out of station 4, so I'm joined by some of the other officers here today. I got... Jason Fair with me, who's been on before. We got uh, Joe Lopez, who was on the ventilation podcast, but uh, Lieutenant Miguel Titman. this is his first appearance on the podcast. So welcome, how are you doing today? Thank you, Captain West. I appreciate the time and uh, happy to be here. All right, so uh, you were an instructor up at the academy, just crushing us nonstop. Uh, what was that time like for you up there?
3: Um, Time at the academy is really great. It's, it's probably the best duty that I've ever had. Um, you you don't you don't learn more uh, than when you're teaching. So teaching really has helped me learn a lot about this fire service and and bringing practical stuff out to the field. And you know, it really I think it really completes a firefighter to, to actually teach what they uh, what they know and then and then go apply it to to their experience as well. Nice. How about for. Uh, Testing and everything was it helpful? Were you guys
2: in the books pretty good up there? Or? Uh,
3: no, not really. I think I think testing really just comes down to some people are good testers, test takers, or actually some people are good at, at uh, absorbing material and recalling that material, and and some people are aren't. You know, we were always uh, I I was in depth into the material, and, and and I still am the average test taker, so I don't I'm not sure it really helped me, but it definitely helped in my knowledge of the fire service and a uh, firefighting. Yeah. What about seeing people out there that you've trained? How's that? Well, I think it's great, man. Like, you know, for yourself, for example, seeing you climb the ranks as a captain and um, uh, Lieutenant Fair as well, uh, who, who, we, who we now work together at the same station. And, you know, we, uh, we talk about fires that we've been on together a lot. And, you know, a lot of my, uh, a lot of my cadets have climbed the ranks and it's, it's just great to see um, all the great great people out there yeah you ever have anybody uh
2: trembling in fear still i don't think so i don't think so i
3: think after a certain while people understand what you know what the intention of of uh cadet life uh was was for and you know uh i always say that you know if you were somewhat scared of me then i at least did my job somewhat well so there you go all right uh
2: so today we're gonna be talking about single family dwellings the idea behind this is we're gonna try to get into the uh the SOG's volume 5 uh, 5-2 it's uh, incident specific guidelines so today we're going to be talking about single family dwellings and Jason I guess since you worked up at the alarm room we'll get into just the dispatch of those what units are we going to get um, on a single family structure fire and what are some of the nuances
4: behind those dispatches uh, 69 delta 6 s and Echo success are uh, gonna get you three engines, uh, one ladder, get two battalion chiefs, two rescues, which was a, a pretty recent addition. Uh, there was a while there we were only getting one rescue on a single story, single family. Um, and then of course, uh, you're gonna get one squad. Um, probably the most important thing about knowing what units are coming with you is if you do arrive to say a, a two story and it was dispatched as a single, to recognize that and to understand that uh, call for a balance to get that additional ladder 7-8 and squad 2 en route. Okay, So multi-story
2: structure that's those are the three extra units you get?
4: Yes so a 69 Delta and 69 Echo 6S is a single-story uh, when they change it to a M that'll be a multi-story and that's when you get the the three additional units. So you okay. get 12 and 79.
2: And you guys get a decent amount of fires over here at four so I guess I'll start with you again and then we'll pitch it over to to Joe. I'll start with your size up and then I'll pitch it to him on what he's thinking when he he hears you sizing it up. But as you're pulling up on scene, what are you thinking about? You you know, We we practice a lot of size up training. You want to have it perfect blue card. So what are you thinking about as you're pulling up to
4: this fire? Um, There's nothing I don't think more exciting than taking command of a working fire. So it, it's something uh, I practice, you know, and that starts from, you know, even going all the way back to being a driver, you know, or a firefighter. It's hard a little bit when you're in the back seat, but starting to paying attention to what, what the officer says. Uh, then going to the alarm room, I got to listen to a lot of size ups. And, you know, you hear the good ones and the bad ones. And, you know, some that might not even hit all the points, as long as you paint the picture for that incoming uh, chief, you know, I, I think you've done your job. Um, I've been lucky here we've had a lot of working fires and i've been lucky enough to to take command on them i request all the audio on my fire so i've listened to a lot of my size ups and you know some are better than others some i, I hit everything and they come out just the way i want to other times uh, i've had some where i'm struggling to find the words and kind of take a deep breath think about what you need to do what you got in front of you and 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 just try to express uh where we're going to start and uh, usually we're lucky at four is having a battalion chief here. I don't have to usually have command long. It's right. not always the case, but all I got to do is kind of set the plate and then these guys uh, usually come in and help us finish it off.
2: So we're going to take a break real quick. We're going to play some size ups for you out there and then we'll talk about it.
1: Uh, engine three is on scene of a medium two-story residential house. We have smoke coming from the to be the garage. Engine three will be point across the for fire control in the offensive strategy. Engine three has co-command. All incoming units continue in co-3. 9 all units with a follow-up. We have no indication of a basement. We're still entering to the alpha side for fire control. We're working in a low rescue profile due to homeowner stating everyone is out of the occupancy at this time. Engine 11 is on scene of a single-story commercial structure. We have heavy smoke showing from four sides of the structure. Engine 11 will be searching online for search and fire control, operating the opposite strategy on the outside of the structure. Engine 11 has R2 command. Okay. Copies, Engine 11 is on scene, single storage structure with smoke filling, uh, Engine 11 is going in for uh, search and fire control, Engine 11 has Ortiz command, all units continue to go through. Command all incoming units, it looks like this is going to be the abandoned structure, 360 complete, no indications of a basement. Engine 11 still operating the off strategy, this will be a low live safety profile.
2: All right, so there are a couple real-world examples of size-ups. So, Joe, I'm going to pitch this to you as you've been upgrading, going around as an upgraded battalion chief. Um, have you been in a, any fires where the size-up wasn't textbook, and how do you deal with that, you know, when you hear it on the radio and then you finally show up to see
0: what you're dealing with? Yeah, we're we have um, we're fortunate now with we have a professional development program that I think has helped our guys a ton, um, be a little more prepared the guys don't just have to practice on their own they're um, they're kind of taught in the lieutenants and the captain's shirts how to do some really good size ups to set the tone for for a good operation but you have to understand also that we have sometimes people upgrading that that are newer in the department and have don't have a ton of experience and that excitement you know kind of catches up to them sometimes um, so they'll occasionally you know forget some information or some some important information that normally they would do, but in the excitement of the moment, maybe forgot it. Um, so just like anything else that we do, we look out for each other. Um, if it's a, if it's an area um, that we may know, and we know it's a single story, you know, we'll fill we'll fill that information in and give them the opportunity, or maybe cue them to let us know is it a single story or a two story. Yeah or somehow give them some information so they can update us. I without. think that's been my uh, experience before. I think I one time I gave this trash
2: size up, and then uh, the Italian chief came out on the radio and paired it back like a perfect
0: size. of Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what I said. Sure. That's, I chief. That's, that's all it is, is just looking out for each other and making sure we're on the same page because, you know, we all want the same thing. We all want it to go smooth, and we look out for each other. Um, so it's not usually a big deal, and sometimes after the fact we'll talk about it. Um, if somebody was having difficulty, but usually what it comes down to is just in the moment. Maybe their first size up on the radio, and uh, they just happen to be a little bit nervous. We try to calm them down by giving them some information, or cueing them to to the right, to saying the right thing, and uh, and then we move on.
2: All right, Miguel. So I'm going to go over to you. We're talking about the initial strategy. If you're rolling up on an engine, what are you thinking about after you give the size up? But you know, during that size up, you're gonna say your initial strategy, whether you're gonna be offensive, defensive, what are your initial actions gonna be? So um, what are you thinking about as you're making that decision?
3: Well, I, you know, as a, first of all, I'm a, I'm a ladder officer, but I do think about size ups quite often and, and Lieutenant Ferry and myself talk about size ups, whether they're good or bad, or, and we you know, kind of analyze analyze them um, every time we have the opportunity to. But as, an, as a fire officer, you're thinking about, as much as you possibly can uh, when you're rolling up to a, a a any kind of house that's on fire obviously you're thinking about life safety first you're thinking about is there potential lives in there um, do we need to make a quick entry and a quick search um, so that that life safety incident stabiliz- incident stabilization that lip uh, that's one of the things you're thinking about as you first roll up um, but really you're thinking about everything you're thinking about the construction um, you're thinking about the smoke you are about where the fire might be uh, the potential for a rain roof um, but, but pretty much your priority is always gonna be life, life safety. Okay. Have you ever, uh,
2: you know, not just as an officer, but all the way throughout your career, rolled up some fires that you thought were booming pretty good that you, maybe you thought they were gonna be defensive and you guys ended up going in and taking care of business or?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, some, sometimes things aren't as they appear. Pretty much every single fire, there's, there's gonna be some, some things that are thrown at you that you, you thought were one way and, and weren't. So really, it, you, you size up and you get an idea of what the, what, what the fire looks like, what the smoke looks like, and you can kind of dictate or get an idea of how hot the fire might be based on the smoke. Um, but really, not until you get to the front door and you make entry can you really feel the heat of that fire and whether you can actually make entry. Make entry. And that's when you f- might first get the idea, okay, if we can't go in because it's too hot, then we might start thinking about defensive. But at the same time, we're also doing a 360 if you haven't done it yourself, someone else is doing it, and we're teaching now that to get that 360 done right away um, so you have an idea of, of what's going on on all f- four sides of the structure. Because initially, uh, we didn't talk about this before, but when you're rolling up, we talk about this with our drivers a lot, uh, Lieutenant Fair, that we we, we pull past the, the building so we can see at least three sides. Um, that way we have a better idea of what's going on from all the ventilation openings on on three sides of the building. So really, it's just to get an idea of, of the potential of the fire behavior, um, how hot it is, uh, whether we can man- make entry and and uh, and who's who's potentially in there to go after.
2: And Jason, you had a story you were telling me earlier before we started this about uh, you pulled up on a fire, you thought for sure defensive, tell that story for yeah, us. Yeah, that was little my little first good
4: first do uh, on engine three and Paul Dow was lieutenant and uh, Rob Sanchez was the chief, he was the first to arrive and declared an offensive working fire. And I remember pulling up and there's fire shooting out of both sides of the small apartment. And I was like, I'm not going in there. Once we got the line stretched and as soon as we got water on the fire, I mean, we were very quickly uh, able to make entry and and knock the fire out. It It was essentially two rooms, you know? So almost like going back to what Miguel was just saying that what I thought we had, wasn't near as bad as what it actually was. It was it was just a contents fire that was venting out of two different sides. So it didn't take much water to get the fire under control. The search was very quick, but it, my first, you know, good working fire, it looked, you know, terrifying until you, you get, you know, get water on the on, on the fire, which makes things better very quickly. We didn't have to search for it. Front door is already open. It, you know, uh, all things looking back, it was actually a very easy fire to to put out um thinking about a big fire
0: like that so if we're moving to uh you know can I can i say something about what what these guys were just talking about i guess funny that you it's funny that you say that about we've all been to that fire we're like man i don't know like i think this thing's gonna burn to the ground and it's and and miguel mentioned it earlier that until you get to that front door and you, you open, the, open the hand line up and start darkening some fire down, like that's the point I think when most of my fires, unless it just looks structurally unstable from, from the street, like until we made access to the front door, maybe flowed the line onto some active fire that we saw, that's I think how quickly it changes to getting better. That sometimes determines for us, I know most of my fires on the pumper, that's when I made the decision. Like if we're not making any headway on this and we're flowing directly to the seat of the fire and it's still blowing out both sides, two windows, then we start thinking about readjusting our tactics. But a lot of times, until you make entry to that front door with the structurally stable building, you know, we're thinking offensive, right? Because we have to give the people that are inside at least a chance. And unless, unless you know, really the majority of the time,
3: we really don't know what our our rescue profile is, you know. Most of the time we have reports that people have gotten out. That's just the most, most times and not. Sometimes we don't know any information where we have to go check, where we have to at least go, even if it looks bad, we gotta go check. Um, so rarely do we have a known rescue profile. And if that's the case, then yeah, we're gonna go uh, do whatever we can to get in that building. But uh, you know, like Joe said, we want, sometimes it just takes getting in there and, and feeling it and seeing it and putting some water on it to see what the, uh, how it's gonna react.
2: All right, hey guys, we're going to get into uh, the rescue profile in just a second real quick before we do that. Again, this is all um, the initial strategy. So as you're pulling up after you do your size up, you know, usually in your size up, you're going to say you're going to pull a cross lay or um, pull a blitz line. What would you have to see on a single family dwelling to pull a
4: blitz line or two and a half inch line? Uh, A lot of fire. I think a self-vented uh, garage fire with the door open is an easy one to to make that call. Uh, just with the fire load of maybe two vehicles inside that are involved, the the highly flammable contents that are usually in a garage, that's one. Um, to make an interior tack on a single family dwelling, it it's going to have to be. I don't even know how it, I would actually define that, um, but a just a lot of fire, yeah. I mean, and and that's it's not usually one of the first lines that i consider said unless it's possibly a garage fire but to make an interior attack on a single family with a two and a half if if that's where we're going um that's one of those fires you want to kind of pump the brakes on see where we're at what what do we know about it is there somebody in there and is you know pulling the two and a half going to make it better or is it going to slow us down yeah. so yeah. those are all considerations and i don't think there's a right or a wrong answer to it um one thing to to think about too though is pulling that blitz is if we're on tank water it that also reduces our amount of time and where's our next pump rats so that's also a consideration if we didn't establish our own water supply you better know who's running with you and that goes back to knowing those run strings and looking at that dispatch when you get it just because we're here at fours and I think sixes and tens are coming with me if one of them's on a call I might be getting engine two engine 13 or even, even engine three so those are all considerations that have to be uh, thought about when you're deploying a line or choosing what line uh, you want your guys to pull. Yeah. I think sometimes the consideration of the maneuverability and the
0: speed that we can get a hand line in place, an inch and three quarter for most residential fires, even if we got a pretty significant amount of fire, a lot of times it's enough to get inside, get to the seat of the fire where we can at least stop the forward progress of it, where we can get a search. And then at that time, hopefully we catch the water supply by the next in pumper Or even that driver hand jacks if he's able to do that, and we pull a backup line, you know. So the speed and maneuverability of cutting the fire off, I think, is huge. And I think, you know, and I pull two and a halfs into houses, and it has not necessarily always gone the best. And sometimes you think the maneuverability and the quickness of an inch and three quarter kind of it works a little bit better than that two and a half. Yeah, the majority
3: of the time it's going to be inch and three quarter. But there, I mean, there are scenarios for every. Uh, you know, we could we could think about some of the fires we had. I mean, it wasn't our first line on that last fire we had, but we did pull a two and a half inch line. But if you're talking about an initial line um, for from a pumper, majority of the time it's going to be inch and three quarter. Sometimes you might have a long lay where you might think about a two and a half inch, where it's a, a big yard in some of the areas in Albuquerque or a, a long driveway where you might want to. You might want to lay that that, um that two and a half and and maybe put a y on it so so for for lines down further down range
2: all right so we're uh we're all learning about blue card now it's been taught to us and now we're just working on you know getting it down getting the terminology down but one of the things going on with that is the follow-up report so you know on that follow-up report for blue card we're going to do you know say 360 was complete or not complete we're going to be looking if there's a basement and then they want a uh, information about the rescue profile at this structure so we'll get into the rescue profile a little bit Um, can you guys talk about uh different
3: rescue profiles that we're going to encounter well for bread and butter i mean like you know if we're talking about the majority of our fires are at night um and, and where we are at if we're talking about residential fires if we're at night and we're a residential, we're thinking it's an occupied structure. So uh, we're, th- we're talking about a high rescue pr- rescue profile. Unless we have, we get information that everybody's out by somebody that's on scene, you know, we're, we're going in high rescue profile. All right.
2: And Jason, what's, what's going to upgrade that to urgent rescue profile? Is
4: a known, is uh, we had one right down here on Towner where the roommate was in the front yard telling us the other roommate hasn't come out yet. So, um, uh, Miguel was on that fire, I assigned ladder four, and you were on that fire too, rescue four to come interior with us to help search. Turns out, the guy was yeah, in there, yeah, and he was gone, was but down. yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that that was, was, that's an that's urgent, the guy in the front yard telling us there is someone there's, there's inside. the couch, couch way in the way, way of the Yes, rains. yep, yeah. That, yeah. Was, that was the fire. And, and Another and, one to think about is that one in that, 15s that we went on.
3: Uh, that's an urgent rescue profile when they're saying there's there's kids in there Uh, that was the one that was on the news when they dropped the kids out of the window to the roof the roof the Mm -hmm. roofers next door but that's an urgent rescue profile when we had to actually do some vent inner search okay so that's a urgent rescue profile is going to be a known
2: now what about a low rescue profile is that just going to be a boarded up house abandoned
0: structure so we get, uh, you know, different parts of the city and it's it's district familiarization, I think, that we talk about. And I think the guys in this room understand that a vacant house, a lot of times is vacant, but it can also, has the potential to have squatters. Um, this area, as well as my, my area that I'm pretty familiar up there in the Southeast Heights, we have a ton of vacant structures. So a low rescue profile, I go back and forth with this one and um, We kind of came to the conclusion that if I have the ability to safely make an offensive attack on a on a vacant house and I know or believe that I've seen squatters in there or there's signs of somebody that could possibly be in there then we go until it's deemed unsafe for us to be in there you know but like we said earlier we got to give people a chance to be saved Um, the fire started somehow and there's these vacant houses a lot of times there's not electricity or there's not power um, I'm sorry. There's not electricity and there's not gas. So how did it start, you know, and these guys um, sometimes uh, these squatters they'll they'll uh, they'll find creative ways to get into houses and um, Just because we don't see their openings doesn't mean that they can't be in there And we've gone to quite a few that you know sure enough. We do find somebody in there or Or they're sleeping close to the door or they were trying to get out and um, we just have to give people a chance so the low rescue pro- profile for me is, you know, especially with vacant homes, is, as long as it's safe for us to operate inside and get a quick search, we'll do that. And then after that, then we'll determine the, the risk benefit and, and we'll back out if we need to. But we, we get, need to give people the chance to uh, to be rescued in those vacant structures.
3: And we're talking about low, uh, low rescue profile, you know, we used to say a lot that in commercial structures it's at night because there's people don't work at night and in residentials it's during the day but i think with the uh, non-traditional way that people make money these days and the the, to the length that people um, go to to educate their children sometimes at home there's there's really no such thing as a, as a low profile um in terms of residential especially all right so i want to get into
2: line placement again this is following the uh SOG 5-2-02 single-family dwelling so Jason, I want to talk about line placement, and if you've got a fire, you can see um, you know, a working fire coming from one of the bedrooms. Tell me about line placement and how you're gonna make that happen, attacking that fire.
4: Well, and this goes all back to training, which is something I believe in, and, and we drill all the time on getting that first line in service. It's, it's so important to get a line deployed quickly, get it charged and get it in operation as quickly as possible, which goes along with forcible entry, apparatus placement, and and a lot of these other moving parts. So if we can get all those things together, it makes that end result so much easier. Um, If everyone's versed in where that truck should be placed, how to get into a house, and how we're gonna deploy that line, uh, getting into the front door and just getting that initial line in service is, is paramount, and generally, I mean, depending on where the fire is, and, and this is all situational dependent, but I, I do prefer to try to go in through the alpha side if possible. It's it's the door that's most commonly used. Um, it's gonna give us the best access to the most of the house, and uh, that's where I'd prefer to stretch that line like we are talking earlier, you know, generally that's gonna be a, an inch three quarter cross lay.
2: All right, so as you're going through that door, do you ever open it up and you're like, holy crap, that's
4: hot? Uh, it was actually uh the house that miguel uh used to live in it was a second story apartment mm-hmm. we went in that one and uh, when they popped the door it, it was hot um and i think i made a left and i should have made a right you know when we first went in so it was it was one of those ones that's yeah this is kind of hot i haven't found it yet and then as soon as we made the right corner to see the fires right there and we, and we put it out but yes it was it was hot and not finding it right away, those are the scary ones. You know, the ones we were talking about earlier where there's fire blown out the front window and we know exactly where it is. That that makes my job a whole lot easier. But when you're, all you got is smoke pushing out of several openings and you pop that front door and you get that, that rush of heat. That's, those are the ones that are a little unnerving. But with the tick, you know, those are all tools we have. Um said having that line ready to go as soon as, you know, forceful entry is done all that's got to happen rapidly if not door control is also you know it's it's another basic that if we don't have that line quite there yet or one pipeman's forced entry while we're still stretching maintain that door control until we have that line in service and ready to go And as we make entry yeah those are those are calls that we got to make and and safety is 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 uh, the goal for for both the people we're trying to find and and the crew so we, we always have to balance those two things yeah, too I was a Transitional attacks been working since we implemented that. I haven't had a lot of experience personally with it. I know people have um, uh, to varying degrees of success, and I think that goes back to what exactly we're talking about here. As long as that transitional attack doesn't delay getting that first line in service, or if we can put that water on the fire without delaying making entry, if that is a first line, then I've I've heard great things, I've read all the studies that, that getting water on fire as quickly as possible is the goal. If that's putting water on the fires, we're going by the window to the front door. Um, by all means, uh, I know we've all had different experiences with transitional attack. I personally have not had a fire that's, you know, I've, I've had a, a chance to make an effective transitional attack on.
2: How about you, Joe? I think I heard you talk about it before. You got any good stories for us?
4: Yeah, we,
0: we've tried a couple of transitional attacks and, and the way that it's worked for us, you know, luckily, you know, like Jay, and, and these guys do it fours. They train a lot, so stretching line is a kind of an afterthought because you know the guys are usually really, really good at it, and they're really quick. So it gives you the the chance to change up your tactics just a little bit, where you, you can stretch an inch and three quarter or relocate it pretty quickly. Um, you know, we had one. I think we were talking about it a couple of weeks ago. Um, I'm a very st- stubborn when it comes to some things, and it's hard for me to see things when we've been doing it for so long, and transitional attack went totally against what we were taught for years. And we saw it, the first time I saw it in play, um, and I think I mentioned it to you, um, a man survived hiding in a bathroom right outside the bedroom that was on fire, and he never would have been, a- been able to get out had we not done a transitional attack. And obviously, he didn't, he didn't burn, he was protected by the door, but it didn't push fire like we were always taught. Um, so until I saw that and we, we did a tailboard after, um, and I think a couple of deputy chiefs showed up and because they happened to be in the area and you know, I made a point to say to all the guys that, you know, were thinking about it like I was, there's your proof right there. You know, you can do some really good things with transitional tax. So so think of that as another tactic instead of being stubborn and saying well we've always done it this way we've always done it this way you know when our tactics can evolve and we have proof to show that it can work you know it's time to give it a chance all right so that's a line placement you're
2: saying that normal structure fire going to try to make entry through the alpha side pull an inch three-quarter line uh, now what if it's a, a garage fire that's also laid out in our SOGs uh, this one let's say it's a
4: a uh, garage fire, and it's got an open garage door. Uh, Miguel was also on a fire with, uh, with me that we were first due on uh, down on Los Arboles And it was a vehicle inside a garage. It was fully involved. Garage door was was halfway open and halfway. It already collapsed on one side. Uh, we stretched an inch and quarter, and same thing. It was a lot of fire, and there was a lot involved. Uh, we stretched the first line to the open garage door. Engine ten arrived shortly after us. They pulled our second line uh, and went interior with it, and it, it worked perfectly. There was just a little bit of extension into the uh, dividing laundry room in between the the garage and the house, and that was a that was a big fire. It was, it was a partial collapse of the garage, but the actual structure was saved, and they've since rebuilt it. and with the garage door open, it's so quick to especially stretch. You have a driveway right there that there's no, you know, generally no obstacles, unless it might be another car, but it makes for an easy stretch. The garage door is open. We can get water on the fire yeah. very, very quickly. Um, Miguel and Joe
2: being on the ladder for a lot of years, if you've got thinking about ventilation on a garage fire, you know, you've got more exposed uh, structural members. How do you think about if you're trying to do ventilation on those?
3: Well, every, every, case, every case is different, obviously, but um, you know, if you have a fire that's going on in the garage, obviously the first thing you want to do is get water on the fire. But every single o- opening, every single window, every single door is a potential um, ventilation. Um, so I'm thinking about, first thing I'm thinking about is windows, windows and doors, making sure we can get door control. Uh, that way we don't have spread of the fire, but getting water on the fire first thing is, is most important.
2: What about you, Joe? Any uh, thoughts, uh, second thoughts maybe
0: about getting up on that roof? There's, well, if it's a garage fire and, and, and there's a car inside, I very rarely have been to a car fire in a garage. Under there, there are a lot of times the trusses are exposed, they're not finished garages. The stability of that roof is usually not very safe in my experience. Um, But talking about ventilation at that point we want to support what the engine's doing what the search is doing Um, a lot of times if the garage doors close and they have to go through the house um, through the interior door from the kitchen or the laundry room or whatever it is um, a lot of times we'll support them by giving all that pressure that's building up in that garage by cutting garage doors um, because there's a lot of times there's not windows or exterior doors a lot of times it's it's a good chance for us once the pumper gets a hand line in place inside the house. And if we're fortunate enough to have, to cut the door uh, pretty quickly, the door shut into the house and, the, and it's not extending into the house, they can keep that hand line in place. We can cut a door and the backup line, you know, can darken the fire down um, before they open that door into the house. That way, you know, the rescues can, can search in, in a tenable atmosphere. The guys are not fumbling around trying to find that door. Um, they just keep that door shut. We make a nice cut for them, maybe extend it after the 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 garage line is in place and they're darkening the fire down, maybe extend our cuts a little bit and make it a little safer. Um, but that's usually our priority, I think, for garage fires um, from a ladder perspective. And then, you know, we we'll work on, on venting out the rest of the house after the fact, after the search and the fire's knocked down.
3: I got a quick story on, on a garage fire. And this actually goes back to the initial size up and. Um, being an officer on a first two engine and an inexperienced one that, at that. I was an upgraded lieutenant I was actually doing a trade for Jared Baldwin at 16s and we talked a little bit about the difference in, in, in the districts of, of Albuquerque. You're going to have, you know, like here at Station 4, we're all running together. Engine 4, Rescue 4, Ladder 4, Battalion 1 probably going to be first on scene. Um, at 16s, is a little different because it's just an engine and a rescue house and on a particular call, we opened up the bay doors and you could see a plume of smoke. It looked like you, you could touch it. It was like two blocks away, but uh, it was a garage door, and I knew that we were going to be on scene for a while, and uh, we, which we were. So I established, I did my size up, and I probably, you know, I messed a couple things up because, uh, like I said, I was an upgraded lieutenant. But um, I was mobile command for quite a long time because Battalion Three was coming from a meeting in, in Battalion One, and. Uh, I really wish I would have just knocked this fire down real quick because the garage door was uh, about, you know, four feet off the ground and we probably could have hit it and knocked it down. I didn't, we made entry. Um, I had to run, the, I pretty much ran mobile command from an interior, which it, it worked out. Um, but on that particular fire, uh, ladder 15, which happened to be Deputy Chief Frazier, did get on the roof and did cut a hole and it did work uh, in terms of ventilation very, very well and we were able to, able to cut off the fire uh, from spreading to the rest of the house through that tactic. But you know that goes back into the area of familiarization that every every district's different. Um, you're going to have, you know, sometimes battalions going to be right on your on your butt or beating you to a fire. Uh, on ladder four here I, I rarely get to do a size up where, you know, in different, different districts, you know, you get to do lots of size ups. So just.
4: Well that's I think another point on garage fires while we're talking about them. If you do have that garage fire with the open door, think something everyone has to consider is if that door is still hanging from the roof and there's a lot of fire involvement don't get underneath it um, and that's when a lot of times we're best off making access through the house uh, we can do fire all of our fire uh, suppression from the driveway but when we start you know trying to affect that primary or get into that back side of the garage don't get under that door at some point it's gonna come down or it's up to us to bring it down before anyone starts operating in that garage Just, I'm glad our, our SOGs address
0: that. They, you know, darken the fire down from the exterior, send a second line into the house, protect any extension into the house, and then you can, you can fight the fire. Once it's darkened down, then you can overhaul hydraulically with that second line and the first line, because you're right, there's a ton of potential for, for some major hazards in those garages.
2: All right, <laughs> let's move on. Let's talk about a uh, two story house uh with a fire in the garage so how's the line placement going to change up on that one
4: door open or door closed uh, uh let's say doors, doors closed. closed so door closed we're, we're going to stretch interior just like we would on a single story um, but then we're going to also need to get a second line uh, above the fire or to the second floor depending on the layout some garages have no uh, occupied space or even attic space above the garage but if there is you know livable space attic space we need to make sure we get up there to check uh, all that area above the fire all right, all right. And, then and then what about, what about uh, a third line third line will third line. be to, if we do have a crew that goes upstairs A third line will protect the stairwell
2: all right we're gonna move into uh, basement fires so we talked about garage fires moving into basement fires uh, that's been a point of emphasis actually so it's included in our in our follow up report, whether there's a basement or not, and I think the reason behind that, there's this uh, project Mayday study where they analyzed all the uh, Maydays, or some 50,000 Maydays, and a lot of these Maydays occur when somebody falls through the first floor into the basement. Um, Miguel, can you talk a little bit about the importance of a Doing that 360.
3: Yeah, I think the biggest thing about basements is, is, is recognition, recognizing that there is, is a basement, and that all goes back to that 360 um, from the initial officer that, that gets on scene while while that crew is pulling that that first line is is getting that better size up of that building and you know finding out whether there is a basement and even sometimes not just a basement, but if it's if it's a split level house and you can't necessarily see from the alpha side that um, there's another level below grade until you actually do that 360 and go around and see it for yourself and you know, recognize that that is a split level or a basement. And just having that in your size up in your follow-up report, that way everybody on the fire ground knows uh, of that potential hazard. You know, right. it's important.
2: And Jason, what getting into the tactics,
4: what's important to know about you know, fighting a fire in the basement? What's important to know is that it's not something we do a lot and it's all something that's super dangerous. Just uh, limited egress. Uh, Especially if something goes bad, that we might be limited to just that staircase that we've made entry on. Uh, like like Miguel had just said, if if it's a walkout, it's a whole whole different scenario. If there is some uh, some windows that we might have access to, that, that's a whole nother thing because we still have to figure out a way to get up to those windows. So they're not going to be at the general height that a normal window would be on a first door of a, of a building. So it, it's just it's all those variables that there's not just one type of basement that we can expect. You never know what you're going to get. So uh, I think going all the way back to getting that line in service quickly is going to be our the best advantage that we have. The the, the quicker we can get water to that fire the better everything's going to get. Um, I know uh, we talked about it earlier that solid smooth bores are the preferred nozzle. I don't have personally have experience with it but on Engine 4 we do have that we we have one TFT on a on a cross lane we do have one solid the two the two and a half of course we have a a solid on also so those are all options and moving forward the more familiar we get with with basement fires and tactics and training on some of these things this is going to be kind of a work in process to see what is gonna work better in some situations than others and I don't think there's any way to really determine that to just get out and train on it uh, study up on it and get feedback from people as we do start experiencing some of these fires because we don't hear about a lot of them, you yeah. know? We don't run on a lot of them, so. I think another thing to recognize is m-
3: the majority of basements are, are one way in, one way out. So there's one stairwell to go in and come out. So if we are gonna have to go down to, for a rescue profile that's higher or, or known life, uh, life hazard down there, um, we have to have a line going in, but we also have to protect that stairwell uh, with a backup line. So I think that's an important thing. Yeah, to that's the nice. other thing
2: that it's probably so obvious that nobody else is mentioning it, but you know, if there's a fire in the basement, you're going down a stairwell, you're going down through all that heat and
3: it's everything. It's a flow path is what it is. Right. It's a chimney that you have to, you know, if you have to, we don't want to, but if you have to, yeah, it's definitely right. a flow path. And, yeah. you
0: have, and you have to go, you have to go through it and get under it to fight the fire. Like I think that we, knowing these vent limited fires and, and the type of atmosphere we're gonna be, we're either gonna have a heavily involved fire in the basement or we're going to have a vent limited because it's starved of oxygen and we open that that little chimney that we're talking about the little staircase that goes down you know we're looking at some very potentially dangerous situations i think the first thing we have to do is recognize that we have a basement and then second thing is understand the different tactics that we have at our disposal to cool that atmosphere before we make entry down there and that's something that's pretty new to us Again, it's not something, it's something we were taught never to do, but if we have the ability from an exterior window, if we do recognize that it's a basement to cool the atmosphere, to do that, to make it safe for us to relocate or take the second line in um, into a more tenable atmosphere, Um, but we need to control the the oxygen going in, the air going in, um, because that first forcible entry down into the basement, that's going to be our first vent opening. Um, so we have alternatives. It's it's no longer the only alternative is to suck it up, get down below the fire, below the heat level. You know, duck duck walking on the basement floor till you reach the seat of the fire. I think we have options now, and I think um, they have so many maydays because it has the potential to change very quickly. If you, read, if you read
3: the line of duty deaths um, at the reports, like I know all of us do, you know, you've seen numerous ones where firefighters get caught in those flow paths that are right at the top of a stairwell where that chimney effect um, goes into, which I think is another thing, important thing to note is is you know the old way of firefighting i think some of us can can probably name some guys at old station 5 that uh, made it a habit to just break windows on on arrival and i think it's really really important for for you know the modern day firefighter to recognize that you are creating flow paths when you open ventilation holes by windows and if it's a basement fire and there's a window there and like you said it's a starving of oxygen and it's a vent limited fire and you and you and you take that window then You might just, you know, make that mixture perfect enough to to create combustion and create that chimney at the stairwell. So you really have to be aware of of what you're doing on on the fire ground.
0: We don't and you can cut this out if you want, but, you know, not to be too long winded. But I was involved with the basement fire with the crew that I totally respect and I learned a ton from and, and some of them are still around, still doing really good things. They didn't recognize. A basement at a fire that we had you know between 13s and fives and they were first on and they stretched in and they saw you know a working fire on the first floor of a single story and they thought we got this you know and they happened to swing the front door open which blocked a hallway that was showing fire from the basement but it blocked their view of this fire and they just went in they couldn't find it couldn't find it you know the super the very experienced crew they they were like this floor is getting spongy I don't, I don't know what's going on. We back out um, and right about then we're, we're arriving from, from fives and we see fire blow through the roof and, and through the basement and out front windows and they had just happened to back up. And they swear to this day that the only thing holding them up was some carpet, you know? So recognizing that we have a basement is huge because I guarantee you with the knowledge that this crew had and the experience, they would have done it a little bit differently. But you know, so the emphasis on that 360 is That's is either. huge and and to, in their defense in their defense the you know the basement the the hatch door on the back was blocked by they had overgrown trees cuz they didn't like the look of the of the the hatch door well, so they, they grew land the they landscaped around it you know but you know look in the detail don't just walk around the structure say i did a 360 walk around the structure to do 360 so we gather information and uh, be diligent about
4: what you look for And, and those are the ones too like i mentioned earlier if if we have fire showing from from a room or from multiple rooms that makes our job much easier it's those ones where we can't find it where is it coming from it's hot you know where is it at and those are the ones where you know all that stuff better start registering that you know it was our 360. did we see the charlie side is our basement
3: and I think it's easy. To, it's easy to get complacent, and I, I'm guilty of it because we're in, we're in a district where we have a lot of older homes in our district. So we know to be aware of, of potential for basements. Where if you work a station, you know, uh, on the west side, and the, and the homes are all built after 2000. You don't see a whole bunch of basements, but that doesn't mean that they're not there because, you know, a friend of mine told me that they blasted out using dynamite to make a basement just recently for a house. So they're out there, you know, so we really have to be uh, extra aware and doing our 360s to to locate these this potential.
2: All right. So we're going to move on. Miguel, I wanted to ask you about uh, attic fires. So that's covered in this SOG as well. But being on the ladder, um, you got any. Experience with the attic fires and some of the challenges that come with having to put those out.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I I say probably the majority of the fires that I've been to have been have been attic fires, and you know I think the biggest thing, uh, like I, like you said, I'm on a I'm on a ladder, so we're rarely there first, um, and it's usually the engine there. And the biggest thing is recognizing it's in the attic and that's gonna take some aggressive uh, pulling of ceiling. So to, once again, depending on where you're at in the city, if you're, you know, uh, in the old old homes in downtown and like where we're at, uh, you might get some metal lath. It's kind of gonna be hard to pull some ceiling where if you're if you're pulling something through gyp rock, it's fairly easy, um, but you gotta locate it. And then you have to have a coordinated attack uh, between your ladder and your engine. So communications is key. Um, we've done it multiple times where I've gone interior with, with Jason and we, we both pulled ceiling. On this last fire, we went interior, and uh, there was significant fire on the Charlie side, and you know we we saw it. We knew there was fire. We just we figured it was a room and contents fire, so we we went interior. Uh, couldn't find it. pulled ceiling. Eventually found it. Went outside. Got on the on the roof and put it out fairly easily. You know, so sometimes it takes just a little bit of digging, and and usually they're really really stubborn. Sometimes you have to. I've been on really, really stubborn ones where we've had to actually open up the side of a you know the pitch where there's a a, a ventilation um, scuppers. Use the, we've used all kinds of the, the ventilation uh, and the natural ventilation of the building. You can use whatever whatever's to the house offers you, but yeah, they can they can be stubborn. Uh, we have the piercing nozzles now that we can use. Um, we've got lots of different tools at our disposal. Uh, but usually the most important thing I would say is a coordinated attack between your your engine and your ladder. That you know, if, if you're doing it together and, and you find out where it's at and have that coordination and that good communication, it's going to be key. All right, All right.
4: All right. there, there a are a couple
2: other things, things in this TV, SOG. So chimney, so chimney fire. fire. Uh, Jason, what's the textbook answer for this? Textbook is, fire. is
4: dry cam yeah. up the chimney. What, uh, what happens you if you can use a hose? You can crack the flue with it could go on unnoticed and cause carbon monoxide um and, and you know the few chimney fires that i've been on have just been extensive overhaul you know it's usually just a, a little fire that got out of the flue and you, it, it starts running in whatever void space is out and we end up tearing up a lot of stuff to usually find a little bit of fire so um that's generally my experience is it's just a lot of overhaul um, so probably salvage is one of the biggest things on that because we're in somebody's home, there might not be a lot of involvement, but we're gonna make a mess, you know, just just dealing with the chimney itself.
0: One, one thing I'll say about chimney fires that, you know, that I'd like to mention is that if you go to a chimney fire, what you is dispatched, because a lot of times you'll be dispatched to a possible chimney fire. Um, if you see smoke, because when you light a fire in, at your house, You have smoke come out the chimney flue. That's it. So you show up to these fires and you see smoke coming from anywhere besides a chimney flue. You must be prepared for void space fires, either in the walls or the attic. And I think sometimes we get complacent. Well, maybe the smoke's backing up. It should never be coming from anywhere except the flue. And if you see it coming out from a a vent, a gable vent or you know, some, some vent on the roof or the eaves or anything like that, you have to immediately think, be, be much more aggressive at that point. And we all have ticks now, which is great. Be much more aggressive than we normally would for a chimney fire that we're gonna put out with a dry kim. You know, so if you see smoke anywhere besides that flu, you know, be aggressive. Don't be afraid to get in there with the tick and, and call the ladder and say, hey, come in with us with your pike poles and help us open this up a little bit. Better to apologize for, better to apologize for a couple of pieces of sheetrock, and put the fire out like that, than to burn an entire house down because we were afraid to open stuff up.
3: Another thing we haven't really mentioned yet, which goes into uh, a, a fire officer size up, is is the color of the smoke and, re- and reading smoke. So you know, if you go to a fire, what it comes into the chimney fire, and you got brown smoke coming out, like he said, one of the ventilations, then you you might have an attic fire because it might be, you know, it might've involved some of the uh, structural members of the trusses um, in that attic. So reading smoke is going to be key to all this. Awesome. And uh,
2: Joe and I talked about smoke and the ventilation podcast. So we'll, we'll uh, shy away from it a little bit on this episode, but if you're interested, go back and check out that ventilation podcast. Uh, So there's a couple other things in this SOG talks about, doing search being on the rescue if i happen to be the first rescue there then most of the time we're going to get a signed search so i guess my first lesson to the rescues out there is you know get in there quickly right you don't want to have like five minutes of reflex time and the fire's already out By you get a signed search and then you know 10 minutes later you're like oh, clear and the, the fire has been out for like five minutes already so be ready to go have your stuff ready um some other things it talks about in here is you want to start at the fire and move away, which I think most of the time I wasn't doing. So uh, you know, again, start at the fire, move away, the most dangerous to the to the least dangerous. Um, and then if you're having to go up to the to the second floor, you want to start as soon as you get to that floor. Um, another thing about going up to the second floor is if there's no hose line up there, bring a water can with you. And one more thing that I wanted to emphasize, again, the primary search is going to be fast. They, I think it says like 10 to 15 seconds per room. So a lot of times I think when I'm doing search, I'm, I'm trying to be a lot more thorough than that. Um, so I'm definitely not, I'm de- definitely taking longer per room. So I think I'm being a little more thorough than, than a primary should be. So again, get in there quick, get that primary done quick. Um, and that's my only thoughts on the search. You guys got any, I'm, cause yeah I got,
3: I, yeah, I got, yeah, I got some on search. search. I mean, since we're talking about size ups and we're talking about officers and, and different levels of, of or different experiences of officers, I think it's important, especially we talk about in, in professional development, I used to teach, um, but there's no, there's no perfect instance. There's no two instances that are going to be the same. There's no two scenarios that are going to be the same. And we throw a lot of resources at, at structure fires, so we have you know a bunch of people coming, and there's no perfect way to assign any any anybody. So, if you're that first in engine company, or you're the first in rescue, or the first in ladder, you know you assign resources based on what you what you need or what, what's going on. So that size up, and it all starts at dispatch. So the information is coming from you from dispatch. You're thinking about it. You size up. Information is coming at you, and you know. Um, if jason gets there first and there is a search need there's a known search he's going to sign me a search if we get there right behind him because that's what needs to get done um, so search is for for everybody and anybody uh, and it's important to, to you know to to, to make sure you are taking that information there's no perfect way to search it's based on what the information is coming from you if you don't have any information then you go by what the the guideline is and how we're taught yeah close to the fire but if you know uh, I always have this m- picture in my mind, this vision of, you know, vent inner search That's probably the most exciting thing that I could think of what could happen on a fireground. ground. And it just happened to some of our guys at Fifteens um, that, that did it, and actually, they didn't, you know, they obviously didn't find anybody, but you know, that pucker factor comes in when you have to dive into a, into a, a window that's puffing out smoke uh, for a potential search, and, you know, that we talked about uh, searching on the second floor, um, I think one thing to, to potentially note is sometimes you know, We talk about protecting that stairwell with the, with the hose line, but me and, I talk to my driver, because he's not always coming in with me, to maybe look for us on that second floor and, and throw a ground ladder for a secondary means of egress, potentially. So, like I said, every instance is different. You know, We could talk about um, all the different potential scenarios all night long, um, but really it's about the information that's, that starts a dispatch, and that comes at you so fast, and, and your size up.
2: All right. So the last thing that's in this SOG is going to be ventilation. We did a whole ventilation podcast, but since I got two ladder officers here, let's just touch on it again of, you know, when you're deciding to ventilate, you mentioned coordinating with fire attack. Um, What are your other considerations, whether you're going to, you know, do horizontal ventilation or if you're having to get up on the roof and cut a hole?
3: Lots of things to consider once again, always. um, we talk about building construction what kind of uh, is it an old home that you know take longer to burn down or is it this new construction that takes less than 10 minutes to burn down um what's what stage in the fire is it at if it's fairly beginning based on your size up based on the smoke and the flame showing uh then i'll potentially get on the roof if it's later in the in the event and you know we already have we're already we thinking about potentially going defensive then I'm, no we're not getting we're, we're not getting up there but um there's definitely a time to get up there, and there's definitely a time to not get up there. Um, so I'm thinking, I'm thinking about both horizontal and vertical ventilation on pretty much every fire that I go on, and, and potentials for, for ventilation. Um, we also haven't hit on the on the PPV fans yet, and I got a, you know, a little story that, that knocks on on PPV. Um, see, I was, once again I was no, I was a driver. I was a driver on Squad Three. <coughs> uh, Sean Fraser was my was the squad three captain we were we were safety (laughs) and uh, we went to a a big house fire that was booming on the Charlie side and uh, a PPV fan was prematurely started on the Alpha side while it was you know still in in the the apex of the the heat and it it created a smoke explosion that probably was the scariest event of my fire career where you know I actually jumped over a wall and thought you know that I might potentially get burned but uh I think it's important to recognize that we're not going to start. We're not going to start positively pressuring um, compartments until we have that fire under control. Uh, once we have fire control, PPV fans work great, and you know we can we can expel a whole bunch of smoke out of a compartment using them. But prematurely can be very, very, very dangerous, and you know that knowledge is key. So to not start fans prematurely. So it, once again, a coordinated. Uh, a, a coordinated event with your with your um your pumper and your ladder and everybody on the fire ground as well as communications communications is always huge
2: all right so joe already got your thoughts on it but jason from the inside uh fire attack say you got any thoughts on you know dealing with
4: ladders and your interaction with them when you're calling for ventilation uh i always try to make that call on the radio that i'm at the seat of the fire and so when i call for ventilation um i don't have a preference if it's vertical or horizontal or positive pressure or however you want to start helping me get some of this heat and smoke out of the building i just expect for it something to happen when i call for it so that window is pretty small especially for vertical ventilation we have a little bit more leeway with some of the other tactics that we use to to ventilate a building but so i it, it's coordination is 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 key um we were uh recently on the that uh church with a sub level over in threes that burned recently and it worked very well that i called for ventilation ladder five was outside and started taking windows we talked between ourselves they started the ppv fans there was a whole nother crew so it was like three crews working together to ventilate a very large structure and so it you know it's not about how it gets done it's just about how we communicate uh in order to get it done so so I don't have a preference one way or another, but yeah, yeah. So you're saying when you say, when you say you I'm at the seat of the fire, fire, that's like your terminology yeah, for we're, we're here, we're going to start putting water on and, you. Yeah, yeah. And because and, as soon as we start putting water on that fire, especially if it's a small compartment, we're going to start filling all that heat, you know, it makes it even worse. Or, you know, if we're, if we're there and haven't put water on it yet, sometimes we need a little bit of relief just to start making a push. So. Um, it's up to the pumper crews also to, to make that clear to, to ladders or whoever's gonna be uh, starting the PPV or making these, these cuts, even that squad too. So try to, try to let, let them know if you're making progress, we're at the seat of the fire, we're fighting fire, we need ventilation. All those things gotta be communicated on the radio. They, these guys can't just assume what we're doing in there.
3: And I will note that you know, I've, I've learned from a bunch of good driver and operators um, yeah, ladder one was Eddie Ortega here, at James Martinez. Where, you know, I don't have to think about placing a PPV fan or when he calls for ventilation or he gets fire under control because it's already there. So, me and the pipeman might go start doing a 360 and looking for potential voices vertically ventilate or horizontally ventilate, and then they call for, for PPV fan and the fan's already been set up because the driver took the, the fan off right away, and set it at the front door, didn't turn it on because it has to be coordinated, but set it there so it was ready to go.
2: Awesome. All right, everybody. uh, Thanks for listening. Uh, We're going to go around the room for closing thoughts. But anybody out there listening that wants to get involved in this again, this is not, you know, this is for the entire uh, department. So if you want to get involved and, you know, share some of your knowledge, just feel free like this is open to anybody. So anybody wants to uh, try to, you know, spread the knowledge and get a hold of me and and we'll make it happen. So Going around the room, you guys got any closing thoughts on on this topic? You want people to know
4: before we wrap it up? Guys, uh, speaking specifically to some of the newer officers or upgrade officers, I think my my advice would be: you're surrounded by good people, and there's a lot of people here that'll support you even if something doesn't go right uh, on your size up. You know, there, there's a there's a a chief coming behind, there's there's another ladder truck, a rescue, don't get too wrapped up in trying to make sure that everything sounds right. As long as you're doing everything right, as people start arriving on scene, they'll start recognizing that things are going in the right direction. I think people get so worried about talking on the radio or saying the right thing, that they they end up fumbling around on, on things that they shouldn't because they know what to do and, and people in this apartment know what to do. So it, it might not always sound as good as we want it to. But as long as things are moving in the right direction, we're making better by the actions we're taking on scene, then uh, that's what we got to take away from it. That the the talking on the radio, the how you sound, the, the cadence of, of, of what's coming out of your mouth, all that kind of comes with talking on the radio. Uh, and, and the more you do it, the more confident you get. So, you know, don't be afraid to rely on somebody else to help you out take some advice uh if things aren't going in the right way there's a lot of people that will step in to make sure that things start heading that way so just for the, for the some of the newer ones don't don't get too wrapped up about how things sound be more concerned with with how things look
3: i guess my takeaway from this would be that uh you know these uh this first in these first in uh we're talk, talking about first in at an event um starts with dispatch Lots of information. Lots of information when you're in route. Everybody, everybody should be thinking about that information, not just the fire officer, not just the driver, but the pipeman. Everybody should be uh, taking in the information and doing their own personal size up. And if, like, like uh, Jason said, if you're an officer, whether you're experienced or a new officer, you should be critical of yourself. Uh, practice your size ups. I have to practice my size ups because I'm on a ladder and I don't get the opportunity to do very many. So when I do, um, I'm very critical of myself. And I, like like Jason says, we listen to ourselves, uh, and we sometimes we make fun of each other because of the stupid things we say. But you know that's that's what you got to do to to uh, to try to get better and perfect the, this craft. So uh, I think it's just important that at, at, at every level on a fire, everybody should be sizing up and taking the information. That way, everyone's you know eventually thinking the same thing you know and when you're on an experienced crew um, sometimes things don't even have to be said because we're all we're thinking the same thing because we've talked about this stuff already so uh,
0: information is key yeah uh, my, my biggest thing uh, for you guys out there listening is get out and train um, get out and train with your crews you learn a lot about about um, each other's instincts and and their tendencies when you get out and train um, the crews Everybody knows those crews that say, man, those guys are always doing it right. We all make mistakes. We all fumble with techniques or tactics, but I'm a firm believer that the great crews make those same mistakes in training where they don't make them on the fires. So if you're not out there training, then you have a better chance of making that mistake on a fire when we have real things at risk. Make those mistakes when we're out training. Don't be afraid to make mistakes when you're training. Um, Use them as learning, um, uh, learning uh, moments. Um, Make those mistakes before something's at stake. Um, So get out there and train. And if you need help getting started with training, talk to somebody. There's a ton of crews. And that's one of my favorite things about floating battalion one is I get more calls for trucks wanting to go out of service to train. And and it's great because I know that down the road when I'm working with them, I know they've done it before Um, and that's huge. Um, so we can be looking out for each other, and we can trust each other. Um, but thank you, thanks awesome. for having us. Hey, again.
2: thank you guys. I think uh, I think this was awesome. So appreciate it. And again, if you want to contribute, get a hold of me. Thanks everybody for listening to the Afr podcast.